1: In today's episode, we're talking about what you are saying about your spouse to others and the ripple effect it has.
0: Now, there's a quote from Anonymous that says, never talk bad about your spouse to other people. It minimizes your spouse's integrity and takes away from your character. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be digging into that in today's episode. But first, we start every One Extraordinary Marriage episode with a hug and really a hug is an opportunity to celebrate what you're doing in your marriage, the, the transformation you're experiencing, the action you're taking. And this hug comes from a Facebook comment that we received that said, I just found your podcast a couple of days ago. I'm an L- LMT, which is a licensed massage therapist and like to massage while listening to podcasts. So I looked for marriage and yours came up. Mm. I am so blessed that it did. I then shared with my husband who works over the road and we both are now in love with it. I'm on episode 21, and I'm so excited to know I have so many more to go. Mm. Yes, you do. This is episode 775. Uh, Thank you for all that you guys are doing, and I'm looking forward to learning even more to keep our marriage long-lasting. By the way, we are about to be three years in December, so things are great, but every marriage can be better. Mm. So thank you again.
1: Yeah, right on. I'm so glad you guys have found it. And again, it's truly an honor and a blessing to have you and all of you part of the one family.
0: Uh, I love it when um, younger marrieds find the show. And because I just think, like, where would we would have been if we had found something like this kind of resource when we were only three years married?
1: I think it'd be a much different trajectory. Absolutely. <laughs> kind of blows my mind. Yes. It kind of blows my
0: mind. And, you know, as we're jumping into today's episode, many of you know that I'm a marriage coach. I listen to people talk about the situations in their marriage, situations with their spouse, the problems that they're facing. Pretty much every day. It's kind of what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the coaching relationship, I'm, I'm actually able to hold both spaces or space for both spouses to, to hear both sides, to be in really this judgment-free zone of just talking with them and, and pulling out what the situations are and getting into, you know, this place of not siding with a particular person or the other.
1: And why do you do that?
0: Because it's important that there's a safe space for both sides of the story to be told. Mm-hmm because it it, you know when you're talking to like friends or family often it's just one person like you know like i would go and talk to my mom or you would go and talk to your mom right or your dad and that kind of thing and you know or i would talk to my girlfriends or you would talk to your buddies and most of the time Mm -hmm. when we go to friends and family it's one person telling one version of the story and i will tell you i've been a marriage coach for about 10 years um there's the his version of the story. There's the her version of the story. And then often there's the truth, which is somewhere in the middle of all of that telling. Okay. I'm I've, literally, I've had so many situations where I'm like, were you both in the same, like, were you in the same room when mm-hmm. this was going on? Yeah. Right. And and my job as a coach is to hear both sides to really start bringing strategy into it and that kind of thing. Family and friends generally, um, take on the responsibility of protecting, defending, and being in a place where they're going to make sure that you are loved and cared for. And it doesn't matter when you're talking to friends and family. If you get to a place where there's resolution in the relationship, if you get to a place where you guys have worked through your stuff, it can be very hard for your friends and family to let go of anything that you've told them.
1: Yes. <laughs> and 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 here's the interesting thing. I think when we began one extraordinary marriage, you know fourteen years ago now i don't I don't think I felt that way because our children were younger as they have grown i i I would agree with that you know when our youngest or our oldest comes to us and and they're sharing stuff
0: uh-huh.
1: just because of the the bond the relationship I have with them, I will tend to take their side against. Whoever else you know is they're in conversation with or whatever whatever's happened, and it could be between guy, girl, guy, guy, whatever it may be going on. But I will have to say, I think I, w- I, I just want to say, I think 10 years ago, my, my comment and the way I viewed this would have been different than what it is today having adult children, you know, one almost out of the home as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's a really interesting thing to start to think about because you, you can get into this place where you're sharing so much that, you know, you have to think about like, what am I sharing and, and how am I sharing it? Cause let's face it. Um, I know from experience that sometimes when you're emotionally charged, how you share and what you share and the emotions that come with it, um, Maybe you're just like a whole bunch of emotions talking and not actual facts talking. You're just bringing all your emotion to your family because family and friends, you know, are going to, you know, in many, many instances, love on you, encourage you, take your side, Mm -hmm. and kind of feed the monster. If I, you know, if I can just kind of put it so bluntly, that is disconnect and disunity and things like that.
1: Yeah. They're going to side with you and go, oh, what a bad person he is or she is. Mm -hmm. And, And in reality, your spouse isn't a bad person. They may have done something that is bad to you, and yet they still love you. And so that of a parent or a friend, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle will typically go, oh, well they're they're horrible so we need to remove you from this situation and and feed that side of it
0: now i do want to put a caveat as we are jumping into yes, this please. episode that we are we're not talking about abuse here we're not talking about you know like extreme addiction that type of thing because if you are being abused sexually physically emotionally it is Absolutely imperative that you tell people and you tell everyone until you get the help that you need. So I want to draw that distinction that if you are in a dangerous situation, please tell people what's going on.
1: Yep. That has been a hard, fast rule here at One Extraordinary Marriage from the get-go. We do not believe in abuse. It is not acceptable. We do not believe that you are in a marriage to be abused in any of those ways. Mm -hmm. And so if that is happening, please get help. I am actually going to put a link here in the episode notes. If you are being sexually, physically, emotionally abused, please come to this. Please click it. You'll be anonymous. Please get help.
0: You're putting the link to the domestic Mm -hmm. hotline? Absolutely. The domestic violence hotline. Okay. I just wanted to be clear about what the link was going to be so people know if they were to come here, that's what they're going to. That is
1: what we will have here for you if you are being abused and need help.
0: This episode is talking about the other situations, talking about those times when your spouse has annoyed you, irritated you, maybe not met your expectations, those types of things that that can leave you feeling frustrated mm-hmm. with your, you know, your spouse's actions that can have your feelings hurt that, you know, times when it's easier to talk about it and, you know, how they made you feel instead of looking at the entirety of the circumstances because this is a big thing I do, I do as a coach. I'm like, "Okay, tell me everything that was happening. In fact, I often tell couples, I'm like, back me up before you got into the argument or back me up when you, you know, when the argument start. Like what was going on? What was everybody's role in this? Mm-hmm. But it's so easy when we get upset about something that our spouse does to just be like, oh my gosh, you are not gonna believe what he did. Some of you just heard me say that and you're like, oh shoot, I personally said that to somebody or maybe you said, you know, variation of like, you're not gonna believe my wife. That's the other variation around it. And and, yeah, for Tony and I, this behavior went all the way back to dating. Like our first whopping like, oh crap, I didn't know you couldn't do that or shouldn't do that with family goes all the way back to when we were dating. And some of you know the story if you've been around for a little while, but um, Tony and I had been long distance for a year. I was finishing Mm -hmm. up my senior year in college. Tony was at the University of Colorado Boulder and Spring of my senior year, the university had offered me a job in admissions. Mm-hmm. Now this was mid '90s, and you know jobs were something somewhat
1: scarce. We were we were definitely in a recession downturn. Not, not, not that we knew that because we were a college students, right? Yeah, like we just... we you and I were not aware of the macroeconomics happening at that point in time because we were 21 oh, twenty one and twenty nine. You were, I was twenty-one. You were twenty, 20. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, so we were not we were necessarily aware of we what was going bubble. on in the economy, in the world, and oh, we were we were on college campuses. Yes. That was our world at that time.
0: So the university offers me a job. I'm super mm-hmm. excited. Okay, like I'll have a job after I graduate. That's amazing. Yes. And uh, but but my job would have been in Indiana, mm-hmm. and my boyfriend was in Colorado the guy I'm now married to. And, uh, so I called Tony, you know, back in the day of pagers and you know, this meant, again, 1995. It
1: wasn't a pager though. I, I think I had a, like a, a Nextel to, cell phone. Okay.
0: Well, I got in touch with you. You call, I thought you called me on the phone from the bar.
1: I called you from a pay phone. Maybe I did have, I don't know if I had a pager. I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how I got that call. Cause you called me from the bar. I know I did, but maybe you may have paged my my next phone or something. Okay. I, anyhow, I don't know.
0: I'm in Indiana. Tony's in Colorado. I somehow get a message to him to call me. He calls me from a bar because he was TAing for a class out at CU. Take it was like end of the semester. He was out was with his students. Taking
1: out my student. It was it was a business class.
0: And uh, yeah, I feel like that's completely irrelevant with the fact <laughs> that you were in a bar. And and so he calls me back and I'm like I'm so excited like I've got this job offer to you know be a college admissions counselor here at DePa, I loved my admissions time like that would be amazing mm-hmm. and Tony's words are something to the effect of if you take that position we are over and I'm like excuse me say what he's like I'm not doing I didn't sign up to do this long distance thing for another year right.
1: or longer I was a bit harsh I, I, I will I will agree with that um, but I, I wasn't going to continue the relationship, if we are going to go long distance again, I mean, I was just because it's hard. It, it, it was I, it was tough. It, it had been a tough year, and I think it, at that moment, I think it was so much of the conversations we had leading up to that were, oh my gosh, I'm graduating. I'm going to come out to Boulder. I'm going you're going to finish up your your final year, we'll be together, I'll find work out there. And so I think the line and the trajectory of where we were headed was not in the direction or not in the I threw a curveball. response you gave me. So it was a massive curveball and to me the first thing I could say at 21 years old again and I'm going to share this, emotional intimacy is a skill that is learned. And I will say the 50-year-old Tony is vastly different than the 21-year-old Tony. Thank but God. at that point in time, I was very blunt and very clear that if she were to take that position, the relationship was going to end and we would go on our separate ways. And maybe in the future, if things worked and we, we crossed paths again, then we would pick it up from there.
0: Yeah. Um, so upset, Elisa. Was just like okay, I gotta go. Like I, I immediately had to get off the of phone with him. I'm like I can't even process this. You're breaking up with me because I got a job offer, which makes no sense to me. All this kind of stuff.
1: And but, I had no idea about this because I was like, okay, like go we'll talk about go it. Go cool off. I, I'm sitting in a bar at this point in time, folks. You know, what I mean, I'm gonna go hang out with my yeah. friends.
0: So I call my parents because mm-hmm. what do all. 20 somethings do. They either go to their girlfriends or they go to their parents. And so I call my parents and my mom answers the phone. I'm like, mom. And I give her the whole long sob story. I can't believe it. Tony, like he's told me we can't do this and, and he's going to break up with me. And you know, I thought I loved him and he's doing all this kind of stuff. And I'm not hysterical, but highly emotional. Well, my mom <laughs> relays her version of what I said to my dad. This is why you got to be careful about who you talk to and how you talk to it. And we've had lots of funny stories with my parents about this over the years, so I'm not throwing them under the bus. Mom tells Dad, Dad does not call me. This is 1995, mind you. Dad writes a three-page letter, sends it snail mail to Tony. Because I don't he, know how he
1: got my my address. Maybe from Mom? I would I'm, guess I'm my sure mom, mom had been sending you cards. because am sure that's she my had. Mom. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so... So, sends Tony a letter, which I am completely unaware of until it arrives at Tony's apartment in Boulder, Colorado. And then Tony calls me. Now, mind you, I have no idea what's going on. Reads me the letter that my dad has sent about how awful Tony is that he is taking me away from my postgraduate dreams and all the life that my dad had envisioned for me. And I don't even remember what else was in the letter. We've since destroyed it. But then I call my dad. I don't
1: think we destroyed it. I think we lost it. I wish we still had I that wish letter. We still- <laughs> I wish Maybe, maybe still,
0: that's God's way of protecting the family. Maybe but, so.
1: It, it it has been long gone. Elisa and I have looked high and low every time we've moved in. It, never shows, it, it up. never shows up.
0: But then I call my dad and I, yes. I literally lay down this ultimatum saying, look, if you're going to be like this, you can't come to my gra- college graduation. So you either need to make nice with Tony or you can't come. And for all of you that have 20-somethings, and now that I have um, a 20, almost 21-year-old and 18-year-old, my parents are saints. Yes, they are. Because I was... I was difficult.
1: You were sassy.
0: <laughs> That's probably being really nice. I can only imagine the conversations, knowing the conversations we have about our kids. I can only imagine. Anyway,
1: oh, your 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 folks. I, I look back and I'm like, my goodness, mom and dad were truly like they laid down a lot to not come between us. They they yes. they really did, and I and I to this day am truly grateful for them. And, and obviously, you know, dad and I made up many, many, many years ago and, and, and love one another to that point. It did take
0: many, many years. My graduation Mm -hmm. was awkward and it was a long time because my parents, even though Tony and I had figured out, yeah, I'm going to move to Colorado and do all this kind of stuff. Um, it took my dad quite a long time to really like Tony. Yes. (laughs) Even after the wedding, it was still kind of the sense. And, you know, that's, it's not that surprising because your family loves you. They want what's best for you. And they're not trying to be difficult. They're not necessarily trying to be mean. They just only respond to the story that they hear. And that's human nature. And I, you know, I want to share just some numbers here. Like 42% of you recently told us that you had spoken poorly about your spouse to friends or family sometime in the last year. And while that's a substantial number, it doesn't tell the whole story because we ask the follow-up question, like, what are you complaining about? Mm-hmm. What are you talking poorly about? And it's things like not helping around the house, being immature, issues with sex, priorities being out of line. Like you can get a feel that there's a lot of conversations that maybe aren't happening with strength in the marriage. And what I mean by that is you don't have the skills to have the conversation. Mm. Or they aren't happening at all because you're just keeping it all inside and you're letting it fester and you're letting it bubble up. But when it comes time to like overflow, you're taking that to your mom, your sister, your brother, your buddy, whoever it might be. And so you're not engaging in that place with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And then you create this cycle where it's, you know, really becoming very destructive. In, the, in, the, in for the relationship because the people that you're talking to very rarely are going to know how to help you solve the problems or what strategies to bring in. And I'm not saying they aren't knowledgeable people. I'm not saying they're not intelligent people. But I can tell you, because I hear this as a coach, that a lot of times you'll talk to, maybe people have been divorced. <laughs> um, there's a different perspective when somebody's been divorced. Some of you talk to your single friends. There's a different perspective when you're single on what married people should do. Mm-hmm. How do I know this? Think back to when you were single about how you thought marriage was going to go down and then think to where you are now. Totally different perspective, right? It's looking at the fact that, that there are people that can offer these suggestions, but they aren't generally working with the both of you. And so you're in this place where it kind of does more harm than good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you have to start thinking, okay, how am I going to break, you know, get out of these emotions where like I've said something and I feel guilty or I regret it, or I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I don't know what else to do. And and I get it because it might feel good in the moment, but in the long run, you're just blowing off steam until the next conversation. It doesn't actually address and create strategy for the situation that you're in. And we're going to talk about how to do that after this break. we're back and we're talking about what to do when you're dealing with something in your marriage and you do need someone to talk to. And, and let me just say, that's normal. Okay. You, you've got something going on inside of you and you know, whether you're a verbal processor or you're not, I mean, if you're a verbal processor, you definitely need someone to talk to. If you're not a verbal processor, it may just get to the point where there's so much that you're kind of rattling around in your head that you need someone to just kind of go, okay, what's, what's going on here. Right. Either way we all face situations in our marriage that we've got to work through. Right. And so, you know, getting into that place where recognizing that you have a need to talk about a situation, like sometimes instead of just like, you know, um, what do they call Like verbal, verbal diarrhea, Right. Just kind of that verbal vomiting where it's just like, okay, the first person that sits down with me, I'm just going to tell them all of my junk.
1: And it all just comes spewing out.
0: And there can be a lot of it. There can be a lot of it. But instead going, okay, wait, what's going on with me, with us? Oh, gosh, you know what? Like, there's been a lot going on. I need to talk to someone. Like, sometimes just that acknowledgement, not being on autopilot with your words and your emotions can be a really big step to creating unity in your marriage hmm. because you're becoming more aware secondly, you gotta check your motivations for talking about your spouse. Now, I have sat with groups of women, and I know that sometimes um talking poorly about a husband can almost be like like a cancer running rampant in a group of women.
1: I feel like it's almost like a badge of honor sometimes, yeah.
0: Sometimes, you know, where you can get into this place where, you know, like it can be like a great girl's night out. And then all of a sudden there's the one like, oh, my husband. And before you know it, it's like a wildfire. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you're not going to believe what you know, my, and I have no idea. Do guys do this? Do guys complain about their wives? Like, like, hmm. And maybe not kind of been th- like the girl's night out thing, but I,
1: I think there have been over the years. I mean, I've been amongst groups where that has come up, I think, over time. I think I'm very protective and I put guardrails up around that sort of stuff. So when it does come up, I tend to not associate with those guys anymore because you know, you're you're going to be the best of of who you are around the people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been around those folks, sure. you know, and I for myself, I think for the protection of my own sanity and our mm. marriage, I tend to just go not really a group of guys I want to be hanging out with. It hasn't happened for a long time though, that I can think of, you know? Um, and so, and even when it comes up, maybe in a, in a small group, just because of what we've been doing here at one extraordinary marriage for so many years, I tend to be very clear, like, Hey, like, go listen to the podcast. <laughs> you know, I have, I have nothing
0: like having 775 episodes to be like, surely I, we've talked about it.
1: Yeah. I have plenty of episodes to start listening to. And here are a couple suggestions I have for you around what you are talking about. So mm-hmm. instead of complaining about it, why don't mm-hmm. you get intentional and take some action around it? So,
0: yeah. Cause I think sometimes it's, you know, when you look at those motivations, like do you want to make yourself feel better? Do you, do you want to shame or embarrass your spouse? Mm. Do you want folks to take your side or, or, you know, my preference as a coach, are you looking for solutions to the problem? Right. But I find that a lot of times when you can get into this place of just sort of venting about your spouse, it's usually one of those first ones. And and that's where like the disconnect can really start to grow. The shame, the regret of like, oh my gosh, I said that and then we're better. And then like, I can't believe I said that to somebody else, right. Where it doesn't actually solve the problem. It just creates more discord in the marriage. And and then you know as you start to check yourself you know and really think through okay what do I need to process you have to choose wisely who you're going to talk to and this one I mean it's kind of like what I was saying earlier you know like like it might not be your single friends it might not be your divorced friends that you're going to it's definitely please hear me on this one definitely not going to be a member of the opposite sex that's Mm -hmm. a whole nother slippery slope to talk about which is another episode but talk to those people who you actually know what's going on in their marriage. Talk to people who have walked through what you're walking through and gotten to the other side. Mm-hmm. If you're going to talk to somebody that's not a professional, like like talk to the married people who have been married longer than you or who have, you know, walked through infidelity or financial strife or the loss of a child or whatever it might be, but talk to those people. Right. And you might not know. You might have to ask around your church or, you know, community groups that you belong to and things like that to find them. They're out there. They are. We, we've, the one family is big enough that I can tell you if you if you're walking through it, somebody else in the one family, hundred percent I know has likely walked through it as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We've it all the time in the one family private Facebook group, just the things that come up. And the amount of comments mm-hmm. around it, and and I see so much of the encouragement from others who've gone. I've been down this road. Mm. This is what we did. This is how we, you know, attacked it. This is what I had to do, and I find that very uplifting because it means that one, you're not alone, and two, there is somebody who has. There is a, there are other couples. I mean, I remember a number of couples that we have in the one family who. It baffles my mind, but having, having conversation with them, they married, got mm-hmm. divorced, had gone into other relationships and then gone back together mm-hmm. and I, and, and remarried. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and we've seen that happen numerous times. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. But if that's where you're at it, you know, like there are others out there that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I find it just so amazing, just the the beauty and the journey and the grace of God to just you know take this couple from where they were to where they are now. Absolutely. Um, but if you talk to somebody who's gone through divorce and literally hates their spouse, and you're trying to reconnect or are reconnecting with your ex, looking at getting remarried, speaking to that person, they're going to detest that. Mm-hmm. And they are going to try to snuff that out. Mm-hmm. And so, again, get around good counsel. If you need the support of somebody who is unbiased, look at coaching with Elisa. You can do that at oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash coaching. Apply. There's no obligation. But sometimes we need people around us that don't know us, mm-hmm. that aren't going to take sides, who are going to just look at us and go, this is what you need to do. And Elisa and I have hired counselors and coaches and trainers and different things in different times of our lives because working with my buddy to get fit doesn't really help me because he he knows me. But if I hire somebody who doesn't know me and has a plan, it's easier sometimes because he doesn't care about me. Like not not the sense he, he doesn't does, care. But he's
0: going to let you off the hook a lot easier than my, than my buddy coach. is
1: right. My buddy's going to let me off the hook. The dude who I just hire because I'm just like, man, I need to lose 20 pounds and I need to get fit is like, go do it, Tony. I don't, I don't care that you, you stayed up late. That that's a, you problem. Get to bed earlier. Right. Like get up and get, get up in the morning, do the workouts. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes we need that in your life. And and in marriage, we need that too. Mm -hmm. And too often we, we, we shun away from it and go, oh, I'm okay. I'll make it through. And instead we need to step in and go, no, I need somebody.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, because your words do have power. Mm-hmm. We've said it many, many times on this show, on the different things that we do, and understanding that, that there is power in your words to either make or break your marriage. What you say to other people, if that were to circle back to your spouse, mm-hmm. and, and this is actually one of the, one of the, um, group rules even in our one family facebook group like we you know we actually talk about the fact like if your spouse read this right read your post or your comment how would that make them feel and if it wouldn't be good then don't post it A- and that's really what i would say to all of you if you are saying things about your spouse to other people and they heard that person come back to them very much like the whole you know telephone game that my parents played with me and tony all those years ago and it came back how would that impact the relationship?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, And when you start to think in that perspective, you're like, okay, like, that, would be, that would be a fight. He would be hurt. She would be crushed. Okay, now we're getting somewhere because if that's how your spouse is going to feel, mm-hmm. then you need to do business with them and you need to, to bring it out of friends and family and take it to a professional and say, hey, we need help we have these broken areas in our marriage. We have these cycles we can't get out of. There's a situation that I know we both have a role in. And just as your friendly marriage coach, I'm going to tell you virtually every situation in a marriage does have a dynamic between the husband and the wife. But being able to work with someone and really get strategy around both sides, really get into that place of saying, hey, I feel heard And now we've got a strategy that we can go execute because I will tell you just talking poorly about your spouse for the sake of talking poorly about your spouse isn't going to fix anything. Mm. It's just going to keep you in that cycle.
1: Yeah. You know, this week in this episode is all about helping you just to recognize what are the words you're speaking. And we didn't get into it, but I do want to bring this up just briefly what are the words you're speaking to yourself about your spouse Mm. that you need to stop, that you need to cut off because our minds are powerful. And if we don't stop that, we begin to verbally vomit on everybody else about what they're doing wrong, why they're not the spouse that you chose and all this other stuff. And so this week, just take some time and think about, what are you saying? Maybe to yourself, maybe to others. And then the big thing, what are you going to do to change, to make a change, to stop living that way? Because you have a choice. We all do. Elisa and I have. We've had to make choices along the way. And this week I know, and we know that if you think about it enough, things are going to change and you're going to have the extraordinary marriage you desire. You guys are amazing. You truly are. We're we're honored and blessed to have you part of the one family. What we do here is because of you. Thank you. We're, We're truly thankful. You guys have yourselves a fantastic week. We'll catch you next week. Love you guys.